At this time, our children will be dismissed for Children's Church. Um, if, you're, if you've got kids in Children's Church, please uh, follow Sierra back there. Well, as Kate mentioned, I'm not Joel. I'm David Balzer. Uh, I'm our pastor of outreach, and it is an absolute privilege to, um, to help and preach this morning. And uh, the title of this sermon was one thing, but I, I just changed it this morning, all right? It's called What It Took, all right? What It Took. Uh, before I read God's Word, just one of the songs we just sang, um, I want to read a couple of the words to you. Um, I remind myself of all that you've done. That's what this sermon is, okay? I remind myself of all that you've done and the life I have because of your son. Love came down and rescued me. Love came down and set me free. And I am yours. I am forever yours. Mountain high and valley low, I sing out. Remind my soul that I am yours. I am forever yours. Right? That's what this is about. Um, I'm going to be preaching from Ephesians chapter 1. Um, and I'm going to read verses 15 to chapter 2, verse 10. It's a longer reading, but it's a letter. So, you know, they read it all at once, so don't complain. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15, verse 15 to chapter 2, verse 10. Before I read this, I want to remind you that Paul's letter to the Ephesians is a welcome and an orientation letter to some of God's more recently adopted children into the family of God. It's a welcome and an orientation. He, he's sort of praised the Lord for, their, for, for our salvation and gone through uh, salvation earlier in chapter 1. And now after he kind of told them their adoption story of what it took for God to save them, like kind of big picture, he hones in on these particular people with affection and he talks about what he's been praying for them. And as we read his prayer for them, tell, him telling us what he's been praying for them, my hope is that we'll be reminded, not of all that it took, because we can't do all that right now, but at least part of what it took for, for us to become Christians, and that we'd be stirred up to thankfulness, and that as you remember what it took to get us into the family of God, our confidence would be renewed in God sustaining us and growing us. The very questions we ask, does he really still forgive me? Is he really at work in my life? Is he actually really changing me? Because it sure doesn't feel like it sometimes, right? That, that God, in reminding us what it took to save us, will free us to follow him with greater confidence, joy, and peace. So let's give attention now to God's holy word. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15, to chapter 2, verse 10. Listen now to God's word. <clears throat> For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of Him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which He has called you, what are the riches of His glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of His power toward us who believe, according to the working of His great might that He worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at His right hand in the heavenly places, 
far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the flesh and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you've been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Amen? Amen. Please pray with me. Father, thank you for your power that we doubt. (laughs) Thank you for your unconditional love that's hard for us to believe. Lord God, would you renew your church with your love this morning? Again, would you fill your people, your temple, with your glory? Oh Lord, we long to believe more deeply. Please increase our faith. Father, we love you. We are amazed that you would adopt us into your family. Please remind us of the beauty of our adoption, the glory of being a child of God. Please unbore us with your powerful gospel. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, crying at the very beginning before I even start preaching. Man, it's going to be good, baby. You've been praying for me, I can tell. Um, I love crying. All right. Uh, So Paul has been recounting their adoption story and and our adoption story. Um, And so if if you've just been recently adopted into a family and you're like aware of it, what are some questions that you might ask? Okay, think about that. What would you want to know about your situation? Well, one of the things might be what's, What's my new dad like? You know, what's he like? You know, is he good? Is he trustworthy? Is he strong? Is he loving? Am I secure in his family? Right? Am I secure? Will he ever stop loving me? What does it mean to be part of this family? What's our family all about? These are questions that we have. And as I mentioned earlier, Paul is aware that. As, as newer members of this family, once they start walking with Jesus, they're also going to be asking some other questions, right? Like I mentioned, is this really real? Like, does he really forgive me? 
you know, I had all these victories over sin, and I, like, shared my testimony with my friends at school and stuff, and then I don't feel like I could, I could share that part anymore, <laughs> you know? I was doing great. I was sharing the gospel. And this sin that I thought I was done with has just pounced on me, and I had no idea that would happen again. Am I really a Christian? Does he really forgive me? Really? And is my life going to change, or am I always going to be kind of a jerk like I am right now? You know? is, is, will I be a better dad? I ask that a lot. Will I, will I ever be a more patient dad? Um, all those kinds of questions you ask, can I change? How, how, how can I keep walking with this God when I keep letting him down? Paul knows this about the Ephesians, and God knows this about you because he's given you this word, all right? And so God's reminding us through this passage of, of what it took to make you become a Christian, all right? Some of you who have been more recently converted, um, you'll kind of take this at a certain angle. But for those of you who have been a Christian for a long, long time, um, you may have forgotten what it took to get you to even become a Christian, right? And so I hope that God uses this to renew and remind you in your sense of God's love for you and his power for your life, for the glory of God. So let's, let's dig into this. What did it take for God to make you a Christian? Well, it took resurrection power and unconditional love. That's what we're looking at from the letter this morning. Resurrection power and unconditional love. So let's look at this. So verse 19 of chapter 1, this is one of the things that Paul was praying for that God would open their eyes to. He says, And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. Okay? I want to ask you what he means by that. I'm going to give you a couple interpretive options, all right? So I want you to look at the phrase in, chapter, in verse 19, according to the working of his great might. So he says, what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead? All right, I'm going to ask you a question. This according to the, power, the working of his power when he raised Christ from the dead, is that talking about the content of their belief or the cause of their belief? The content of the belief or the cause of their belief? Let's look at this. What is the measurable power, greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead? Is he saying, remember guys, you believe in the resurrection of the dead. Remember, you believe that God really raised Christ from the dead. You believe according to this, right? What do you believe? I believe in God the Father Almighty, like Apostles' Creed. You believe in that part of the Apostles' Creed that got in the resurrection of the dead, in the resurrection of Christ. Is that what he's talking about? Just the way I've set it up, you can tell that's not what I think he's talking about. Right? <laughs> so, so uh, <laughs> I believe it's actually different. Look at what he says that you who believe according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. Bounce forward to chapter 2, verse 1. And you were dead. You see that? You believe. How did you believe in Jesus? You believed according to or by the same power that it took to raise Christ from the dead. 
because you were dead and needed that same exact resurrection power to get you to believe in Jesus. Some of you may be like, yeah, I don't know about all that. Like, I mean, I'm a pretty good guy. You know, I mean, I got saved when I was like four years old and stuff. Like, I, I don't know. I mean, did it really take that much power to get me to believe the gospel? Like, I heard this testimony. My testimony is nothing like that guy's testimony. He was on crack and he was doing all this stuff. And, and like, I just like believed at a VBS. Like, my testimony is not as good as his, his testimony. This is a reminder that no one becomes a Christian unless they've been raised from the dead spiritually by God's power. Let, let's look at that. Chapter 2, verse 1. And you were dead, and the trespasses and sins, and he goes on, and I'll, I'll get to that in a minute. But look down at verse 4. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. He's talking about our spiritual union with the resurrected Jesus Christ. And he said that God, by his Holy Spirit, joined us to the resurrected Jesus and raised us spiritually from the dead. So when you think about your conversion story, um, from your own experience, you know, you didn't feel dead. You didn't feel like a zombie. You're like, yeah, this guy's telling me about Jesus. He's kind of annoying me, but I guess I'll think about it. You know, at least that was part of my story, right? I'll think about it, whatever. Um, but it's deeper than that. Um, you may not feel dead. You may not feel like it took much to get you to be made alive. Um, but here we see that it took God's power, God's resurrection power, to actually get you to believe you believe according to the same power or through the same power that it took to raise Jesus from the dead. This should humble us deeply, right? It's easy as a Christian sometimes to look down on people like, how, are they, how can they believe that? I mean, what an idiot. Like Sometimes we sinfully kind of think that way. But just remember that Paul is saying that it actually took a real spiritual resurrection of the dead to get you to believe. Does that make sense? That's the kind of power it took for you to become a Christian. And so if you're like, my testimony is not that great, just remember, it, it took no less of a miracle to get little church girl at VBS to get saved than it did to get you know, the Apostle Paul who was on the way to arrest Christians to be killed, you know to be saved. The same miracle. We were all equally dead in our trespasses and sins, and we'll look at that more deeply later. So we were dead, and God raised us up. It took ultimate power, resurrection power, to bring us to faith in Jesus Christ, to be adopted into God's family. But it also took unconditional love, right? We weren't just dead. We were evil dead. You know, we weren't like... Anyway, there's a movie, but I'm not recommending... I don't even seen it, so anyway... We were dead. We were evil dead. We weren't just helpless, right? We were guilty. We weren't just victims. We were criminals, is what Paul tells us. Look back at chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. What were we dead in, right? As we look at this, I want you to consider the before of your life before you actually trusted in Jesus. Um, if you're not yet trusting in Jesus this morning, this will probably offend you, okay? And that's not my intention. I'm like, hey, check this out. 
But this is offensive. And as you think about what we're saying today, um, I know that you're most likely a good person, okay? <laughs> Humanly speaking, right? You're a great person. You're not like killing people everywhere. And all of a sudden you're like, how are you saying I'm evil dead? That's weird. Like, no. You know, there are non-Christians that I know who would give their lives for me. This is, but this is talking about compared to who God is and his perfect goodness, we are all wicked. That's how good God is. All right? So think about it that way. Hope that's helpful. Um, but if you're thinking about this, know that God is offering you his power. As I was praying earlier, if you don't have faith, ask God to give you faith. Jesus, I don't know if you're real. Give me resurrection faith. Like, do it, Lord. I'm here. All right? And then when you look back, you realize, oh, even that was because he did it. All right? So we were evil. Look at chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. It's interesting. He doesn't say, you're walking all of a sudden like, oh, I fell into this ditch and it's called a sin. And they're like, you know. He said, you were walking in sin. You know, if you go hiking, there's a sign like, the blue triangle is the Green River Trail, you know. The orange square is the Mossy Creek Trail, you know. The red square is the Trespasses and Sins Trail. Oh, shoot. <laughs> That's the trail I'm on, okay? That's what he say, like, I'm on that trail, right? In which you once walked. You were hiking the Trespass Trail consistently and purposefully following the course of this world, there is a general direction, even of really nice non-Christians, okay? Again, we want to be humble about this. Everyone's made in the image of God and have, everyone has dignity and glory in Christ, you know, because of who God is. Um, but there is a general bent of the world that is, you can be your own God, you don't need God. Oh, by the way, maybe worship this to help you out, you know? There's a general course of this world. Every other, quote, religion besides Christianity follows a basic course of self-salvation, all right? This is the opposite, as you can see. Just as a pause, you know, sometimes if you're just driving the car and thinking about these things, thinking about your life, you know, I think something, I think what this is telling you is like, it's as if God is saying to you, Oh, wait, you think being a Christian was your idea? Like, you're like, Lord, I'm sorry I don't follow you very well. Oh, wait, you think that, you think that this was like your thing? <laughs> and what God is saying is like, no, it's all my thing. I, it was my plan, and it was my accomplishment of your salvation. All right? All right. So, um, so let's keep going with the bad news of our before that highlights the goodness of God and our salvation. He says, following, this is uh, chapter 2, verse 2, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Okay, when I was in sixth grade, um, I, I was absolutely terrified of Satanism. There was this Geraldo, I was in sixth grade in like 1988 or so, there was this Geraldo Rivera special. Does anyone remember that? About Satanism. Like the 80s, it was big. Like, I know Satanism is real, but it was like this big thing, like play your records backwards and all that. Like <laughs> Satanism, you know? And there was this special, and I didn't even watch it, okay? But the previews freaked me out. 
And I was going through a hard time. My parents had just gotten divorced, and I was, I was just, just struggling, really struggling, struggling. Um, and it just, it really freaked me out. And you would, I'd, I'd watch a video on MTV, it was a Molly Crew video, and they had this like pentagram, this upside down star on their drum kit. And I was like, ah, and I changed the channel. Like I was really freaking out about it, okay? And, um, and you know, so, you know, who, what does a Satanist look like, right? Well, you know, some guy who walks in with like a Slayer shirt. Now, if you like Slayer, whatever. Hey, I'm glad you're listening to this sermon if you like Slayer. The Lord did that, okay? But like upside down cross, pentagram, all this stuff on your shirt. Like, hey man, look at that Satanist right there, right? God goes, hey, guess what? That's all of us, baby. That's all of us before we were trusting in Jesus. Again, if you're not a Christian, you're like, what? I don't even own a Slayer shirt. The point is, if you're not living for God and worshiping him, you're dead in your sins and you are unwittingly even following the devil. So if you see a guy with a Slayer shirt, don't be afraid to witness to him because you too either are, well, no, you wouldn't want to witness to him, but anyway, you're right, we're all former Satanists here. Even if you were converted in the womb, John the Baptist converted in the womb, before the Holy Spirit made him born in the womb, he was, he was following Satan. Now that sounds so perverse and weird, and you look at your ultrasound, you're like, what? But that's actually what the Bible says, okay? That we are all either current or former Satanists. No exceptions, all right? Does this humble you a little bit? All right, hopefully. Um, hopefully it does. Take off your Slayer shirt if it doesn't. All right. Um, if you don't know who Slayer is, don't look them up, all right? All right, so following the prince of the power of the air, who, who is at work in the sons of disobedience? Now, Paul's not going, those people, those people. He goes, verse 3, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body, but it's the same Greek word flesh, and that refers to the sinful nature, and the mind, and we're by nature children of wrath, just like the man, rest of mankind. So we were following the devil. We were following the course of this world. We were dead in our trespasses, but we didn't need the devil's help, unfortunately. The devil doesn't have to hold a gun to your head to make you sin, you know? He goes into the devil and all that stuff, and then he goes, among whom we all, we all walked, right? And look at his, his personal first-person pronouns, right? Among whom we all, even the Apostle Paul, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, does this mean that every non-Christian is out at wild parties all the time? Of course not. But again, there's this general picture of not living for the glory of God. The passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of, of the flesh and the mind, right? We, our passions, our flesh, he's taking full responsibility for his sins. And this is this great mystery. Well, if you're spiritually dead, how is it your fault? I don't know, but it is. <laughs> That's, I can't explain that. God's sovereignty and man's responsibility and all that. I, it's true. I don't understand that all. But we see that we can't blame the devil on our sins. When someone says, well, the devil made me do it. Sorry, bro. It was your own heart that made you do it. We, are, we were evil and guilty. We weren't just innocent, sweet dead. We were wicked dead. All right? That's our before. How does this highlight God's love for you? How does this help you believe God's love more? 
I want you to think about it this way. If he loved me like that, I can't get out of his love. Like, I kind of sort of even want to like follow him now. <laughs> There's at least a pilot light of love for God in my heart now if I'm trusting in Jesus, right? It may not be a roaring fire at the moment, but there's that little blue light, like it's not snuffed out. It's not a smoking flax, you know, I mean, it's, it may be a smoking flax, but it's still there. There's still smoke coming out of it. There's still a, a glowing something to my love, right? If he loved me like this, he's not going to stop loving me. Look at this picture of God's unconditional love, verses 4 to 6. But God, listen to this, being rich in mercy. So on a scale of 1 to 10, how rich, like how much mercy does God have, right? He's, he's, sort of, he's not like middle class merciful, right? He's rich in mercy, full of mercy, because of the great, now the Bible doesn't use great, like that movie was great, man. That was such a great movie. Man, this steak is so great. The, when the Bible uses the word great, it, it's a big deal. It doesn't use that word like, like we use it, all right? He doesn't highlight the whole page with the word great. Because of his great love, listen to this, with which he loved us even when we were dead in our trespasses made us alive together with Christ. It's by grace you've been saved. Grace means God does it all. Grace does not mean that God waits for you to do your part and then he kicks in his 80%. Grace means God does it all. That's what we saw with God's covenant with Abraham when God walked through the animal pieces and Abraham didn't. This covenant is supposed to be if I break it, this happens. If you break it, this happens. He's like, no, I'm going to do it all. Grace means God does it all. Salvation was not your idea. And it was not your doing that got you into the kingdom. And, it, 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 and you can't undo your being in the kingdom if you're truly trusting in Jesus Christ. If you woke up tomorrow and wanted to sin your way out of the love of God, you are not able to do that. Amen. If you do not believe that, you do not yet understand the gospel. And that's why we're looking at this today. Because I don't believe the gospel. I do, but I don't. You know what I mean? I believe, help my unbelief. And I long to believe this more. And the more I believe this, and the more you believe this, the more joyful you will be, the more free you will be to serve other people, um, the more fun you'll be to be around. Same with me, all right? So God loved us even when we were dead in our trespasses and sins. Your salvation is like Lazarus, but Lazarus was like a real jerk. <laughs> Jesus comes to the grave and says, Lazarus, come forth. And what happened? He came forth. <laughs> Our salvation is a resurrection. And it's a resurrection by a God who chose us in Christ, earlier it says in chapter 1, before the foundation of the world. He set his love on you. Why does God love me? Because he loves me. God, really, seriously, like, I'm not kidding. Why do you love me? Because I love you. No, I mean, I get that, all right? We're all Christians here. But, like, really, why do you love me? Because I love you, right? That's what God is reminding you of this morning. I love you because I love you. I did it all, God is saying to us. He did all of it. What did he do? What did it take to get you to become a Christian? It took everything. Who did it? God alone did it to make you a Christian, so our dad is supremely powerful and he's graciously loving. We can have confidence 
in him for our place in the family of God and our future in the family of God. How, will I persevere in faith? Yes, you will. Will you falter? Yes, you will. But will I ultimately persevere in faith? Absolutely. Because it's God's doing ultimately anyway. And then I want you to think about this. I'm the pastor of outreach. You're like, oh, here he goes again. I'm just kidding. Of course I'm going to throw this in there, right? We can have confidence in God when we stumble our way through trying to tell someone else about Jesus. You know? I may have told this story before, but in college, a guy who would later become my roommate, we were at a party one time, and he was like, I know you're trying, but I will never become a Christian. And I sort of laughed. I'm like, hey man, if God pounces on you, there's nothing you can do about it. <laughs> you know, there's nothing you can do about it. When you pray for God to save people, he's actually able to do that, right? It's not like, would you please try real hard to save that person? But if you can't do it, I'll understand. Now it's hard because God has mercy on whom he has mercy. Like, he doesn't save everyone. That's very difficult. But I want you to be encouraged. When I pray for unbelieving people that I care about, like, well, I'm selfish, and God moved me to pray for that person. Hey, maybe he's on to something. You know, maybe he's on the move in that person's life. If I'm praying for them, maybe something's happening, right? But you can have absolute confidence. It's so amazing that the gospel is the power of God for salvation. It's not a, mag a magic formula but it is the Lazarus come forth word that God uses in power to bring us from death to life. And, if, and your willingness to be open to listening to people, hearing their stories, and then when it seems like a good, when they're, when they're actually interested in what you have to say and want to hear you, to be able to talk to them about Jesus and the cross and the resurrection and all of that stuff, you can have such confidence it's terrifying to talk to people about Jesus sometimes. I get it. Like, I'm all evangelist-y, and I, it scares me too. But God is able to bring people in the family. Like, think about it. He helped me believe in Jesus. Why am I worried about these other people? Like, if he can save me, like, come on, you know? So you can have confidence in sharing the gospel with people, knowing that it's God's power that converts people. He uses our speaking the truth uh, in love to do great things. And the final thing I want to ask is, but wait, how did all this work? I mean, you, haven't, you may have not heard much about the cross yet, right? So I don't want to say amen before that. Look back a little bit in chapter 1. Verse 3 through 7. See, I tricked you. I'm basically just reading the first two chapters. It's awesome. Okay. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ, see that? In Christ, with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. He loved you not only when you were dead in your trespasses, but before he even made the world. That we should be holy and blameless. Not because we were holy and blameless, but that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us or accepted us in the beloved, that's Jesus, in whom we have redemption. That means deliverance at a price. Redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses. God would be evil to do everything I just talked about if he didn't punish our sins fully. 
but he did on his own son, Jesus Christ. How do we know that great love with which he loved us even when we were dead in trespasses and sins? We know it most clearly and brightly through the darkness of the cross of Jesus crying out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That we can have great confidence of these things for our lives because Jesus also cried out what? It is finished. Amen? Please pray with me. Father, you are so good to us. Help us, Lord. Help us to revel in your love and draw water from the wells of our salvation. Please restore to us the joy of our salvation. And we pray for opportunities, even this week, to listen to someone who doesn't know you yet and that you would eventually give us opportunities to share your good news of adoption in Christ Jesus. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.